0: Good morning, good morning and welcome to all listeners to today's program. It's the 21st of March and do we have an interesting announcement, but we will uh, first of all say um, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worklings. Thanks to um, Annie for another interesting program of Solidarity Breakfast. And the songs that you heard were... And the Earth's New Absence from Bachelorette and Rivers of Tears by Kev Carmody, a a real classic, that one. But my name is Pierre and uh, Giselle, what's the big news that we heard for our listeners? That's
2: right. Uh, Our news today... Just one moment, I can't quite get my headphones right. Sorry, listeners. Um, So you will have heard and 3CR will have made numerous announcements to this effect, but 3CR is closing to all volunteers, programmers, guests uh, and so on um, from the 23rd of March, so that's on Monday, until the 18th of April. And so for that period of time, which I think turns out to be about three of our programs, um, Asia Pacific Currents will go on holiday. We're not sure if 3CR are going to play uh, some of our repeated shows or if they're going to put some other content in our time slot. But 3TR will continue to broadcast. The station will uh, remain open to the tech staff and the um, uh, paid staff to make sure that content continues to get to air. Just so you know and just so you're not concerned that you won't be continuing to get radical um, news and analysis on this radio station that has been reliable for providing you with that for what 42, 43 years 40,
0: now? Yeah, 44 uh, I think.
2: 44 years. Um, many Many, many of our um, programmers will be working from home. So we'll continue to produce content. The staff are working around the clock uh, to support us to get um, the right equipment we need on our home computer so that we can still produce content, but we can do our part to um, reduce The transmission of COVID-19.
0: So um, stay tuned and I'm sure um, uh, most uh, people around the world that are listening uh, especially on the podcast uh, would understand that uh, the spread of uh, COVID-19 has certainly uh, changed daily life. Um, Of course this program is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links and now Giselle um, who's the interview for later on? This uh, program.
2: That's right. In the second part of the program, we're going to hear from Ecehan Bolta. She is an activist in um, in Turkey. She's a member of a group called Baslangic, and they were a collective founded after the Gezi uprising in 2013. So we're going to learn about um, where the social movements are at in Turkey. Of course, um, as we've been saying, this situation changes daily, particularly with the um, implementation of states of emergency. Emergency right across the world But Turkey has been in a state of emergency Pretty much since 2013 actually okay, that's um, right. and Further intensification after the coup uh, Which we'll hear a little bit more about When we hear from Ecehan in the second part of the show
0: Th- That's right, that's right So, um, so we've got a, a news uh, roundup uh, Giselle, I think you've got the first story And um, unsurprisingly Most of the stories in one way or another Relate to COVID-19 I think five of the six do But it does actually show that impact that this virus actually is having on workers all around the world.
2: So in Iran, the government has taken some very um, significant measures to, well, I don't know how much they can stop the spread, but with the COVID-19 viral epidemic uh, not under control in Iran, the government this week, um, actually in the last couple of weeks, decided to release 53 thousand prisoners out of fifty five thousand prisoners. I thought it was
0: eighty five. No. No, you've got updated. They didn't quite get to eighty five.
2: No, fifty five <laughs> thousand. Right. So there there is about 2,000 prisoners left across yep. the entire country, um, as well as, pardon, 10,000 prisoners for the Nowruz, the festival, the New Year festival, so as to decrease overcrowding in the jail system. Among the release are a number of labour activists like Ismail Abdi, Leila Hosenzadeh and um, Mahmoud Beheshti. Nevertheless, many other activists remain in jail and there are now currently close to 200 prisoners in Tehran prisons on a hunger strike, demanding that they be released as well. Most of these are human rights and labour activists. So I do want to say um, there have been moves in other parts of the world to decarcerate while um, this epidemic is on foot, including, surprisingly, the United States. In lots of other parts, I mean, the prison population is a really important group of people to remember at this time because cause they are locked down against their will in an environment where they have no control over hygiene sanitation and so on so all the measures that we're being encouraged to take they that's out of their control um, in other parts of the world where visitations have been stopped. There have been riots. In mm-hmm. Brazil, there was a prison riot when visits were stopped and 14 prisoners escaped. Uh, in Italy, there was a prison riot when visits oh, were there stopped. There
0: was more than one. There was quite a
2: few. That's right. And 12 people died in a prison riot and there were some escapes in Italy as well. Uh, people should note that um, there was an announcement that right across the uh, country, Australia, um prison visits have stopped. I do know that there are some attempts to support prisoners to maintain contact with their family through video conferencing and other things like that, all of this was announced, but it is really important that at this time um, people have a connection with their family.
0: That's right, and social interaction uh, is very important. Social uh, isolation actually can kill. We now go to the Philippines, um, where on Monday, the 16th of March, President Rodrigo Duterte ordered the roughly 55 million people on the main island of Luzon, which includes the capital Manila, to stay home for the next month after social distancing measures seems to have failed to keep people away from one another. Given that millions of these people are workers on starvation wages, the impact on them will be severe. Already, the large sector of outsourced call centres in and around Manila that serve companies around the world are being severely disrupted as workers are unable to reach their place of work. Meanwhile, Cebu Airlines has followed Philippine Airlines by announcing major job shedding this week.
2: That's right. COVID has had a very, very severe impact on the airlines industry. I know sometimes our movement overwhelms us with information about the hospitality sector, but uh, manufacturing and um Aviation is very severely impacted. Moving now to Syria, uh, the Syrian resistance continues to fight for freedom while the recent peace agreement by Turkey and Russia, Syria, has decreased the fighting in northeast Syria. The situation remains dire for both the inhabitants in Idlib province as well as the refugees trying to reach Europe. In a show of defiance, thousands of mainly civilian protesters blocked the M4 highway, a key road road that connects the capital, Damascus, with the northern cities of Aleppo and Latika. The protesters were unhappy with the peace deal and the fact that their situation remains as vulnerable as ever. In addition, most observers believe that the ceasefire will not last long and fighting will resume in the coming weeks
0: and of course i think this is one of thing to remember about the huge refugee populations around the world that usually in bad health in the first place in unsanitary conditions viruses like these will have a much greater Impact uh, on on their health.
2: Well, they uh, national, uh, well, states uh, now ha- now can refuse refugees entry at their borders with impunity. Not that there was much punishment before, but um, they are no longer answerable for their. Um, obligations under refugee conventions in the way that they might have been before.
0: That's right. A bad situation has just got worse. Uh, we now go to India and looking at the impact of COVID-19 on the on their workforce, which um, really varies. Um, in some sectors, like the 100,000 employees of the e-commerce giant Flipkart, the company has actually pledged to give all delivery workers leave with full pay and benefits if the contract co- covid 19 or are placed under quarantine um, because basically their business is going through the roof. Uh, for their part, the Indian government has said that all organized workers covered by the employees' state insurance scheme who may lose their job to the to, um, to COVID 19 will receive unemployment benefits. On the other hand, the tens of millions of unorganized day contract occasional workers have no such protection and are facing destitution and starvation if they lose their jobs.
2: And Iran again, but of course, the um, part of the situation in Iran, we don't often talk about the sanctions. While the repressive, theocratic Iranian government seriously downplayed the spread of COVID-19 virus for internal political reasons that has led to the country having one of the worst outbreaks in the world, it is now facing a new hurdle under pressure from its population the government is finally becoming more transparent and enacting new regulations, but is now constrained by the crippling sanctions that the U.S. government has imposed on it. Due to these sanctions, Iranian supplies of respiratory masks, surgical gowns, ventilators are then are now running out of stock. In addition, the Iranian government is struggling to import raw materials to manufacture antiviral drugs. In the U.S., Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Um, has renewed her calls for the US to suspend sanctions against Iran. These sanctions are going to hit working class communities the hardest and reinforce nationalist policies and parties. And of course, we'll make it almost impossible for that country to get COVID-19 under control.
0: That's right. And I think that's why um, you know economic sanctions uh, are usually bad news for the working class because it's usually the least powerful that get hurt. And our last story, we, go, we come back to Australia where we look at airlines, as Giselle just mentioned before. Um, with the increasing restrictions towards international travel in Australia, both incoming and outgoing, the major Australian airline Qantas this week announced a suspension of all international travel. Qantas and its sister company Jetstar also announced that two-thirds of their 30,000 employees will be temporarily stood down from late March until at least the end of May. Now, this news... Uh, actually came just a day after the Australian Federal Government unveiled a, a, an over $700 million rescue package for Australian airlines. Such actions basically mean that Qantas is forcing its own workforce to bail it out in the classic socialise the cost, privatise the profits approach. It is imperative for workers to fight back and I think it's something that we'll be uh, seeing all around the world, um, Giselle, about basically Indian, who's going to pay for this uh, health crisis, which is becoming a huge economic crisis. Um, she's just nodding her head. Sorry, was I supposed to make? No, 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 no that's fine. But it's uh, that's the end of the news item for um, this morning. We'll go to a community announcement and then we'll be back with our um, excerpt of uh, Echehan Balta. Australia is a crime scene. It's unfinished business, this crime.
1: People don't understand that it was a military exercise. It was military in the first fleet. It was Captain James Cook. It was Captain Arthur
0: Phillip. Right through the history of Australia, it's a military exercise. Our people have suffered greatly because the white man is not prepared to act honorably and legally. Still the case in this country today. This is
1: 3CR.
2: It is 15 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Our guest on the program today is Echihan Bolta. She's a member of Baslanjik, which is a collective that was founded after the Gezi uprising in 2013. She's also a member of Socialist Alternative, a Turkish section of the International Socialist Alternative. So not the ISO, not the International Socialist Organization, a different um, international socialist tendency. She is updating us on the political movements in Turkey.
1: First, I believe that we all agree that the uh, capitalist authoritarianism is not a country-specific phenomenon. It's a general trend of capitalism of our time. And it's almost the same in U.S., in France, in Brazil, in China or in Russia, uh, as we have seen. And it can be said that capitalism can no longer live without uh, authoritarianism. Elections are still going on and Putin does his best to, to, to be elected for the next five years. But the only favorite tale of democracy has been lifted in the eyes of the uh, ordinary people. And let me start with reminding you the developments of the last several several years in Turkey. Uh, from uh, 2016 to 2018, uh, Turkey was under a state of emergency imposed after the attempted military coup. And uh, the two-year state of emergency formally lapsed in July uh, 2018. And... Uh, but it was replaced with the new counterterrorism legislation. And the legislation contains many measures uh, similar to the extraordinary powers the author- authorities enjoyed uh, under emergency rule. So nothing has changed. And they include the, uh, what were those uh, powers? Uh, they include widening already broad powers of appointed provincial governors to restrict assemblies and movement executive authority for three years to dismiss public officials, including judges, by by, by administrative decision, and increased police powers, including custody periods extendable for up to uh, 12 days. And the governors are very happy to use those powers to ban all open-air activities, including film festivals organizing by LGBTQ people in in Ankara, for example. And uh, in addition to those, trustees were appointed to 24 municipalities instead of elected mayors, and all of whom uh, were the members of HDP. HDP is a pro-Kurdish People's Democracy Party, Halkların Democracy, Partisi, and most of the elected mayors are imprisoned for the accusation of supporting terrorism. But this phenomenon is not limited with the southeastern part of the Turkey. Uh, uh, southeastern part of Turkey is mostly Kurdish region in which the HDP, uh, People's Democracy Party, is the first party. And uh, it's not limited with uh, there. It's uh, it's the daily life of the major cities like Ankara. Let me give you an example about this. In uh, Ankara is Turkey's capital, as you already know. Uh, they built a huge police cita- uh, station uh, in, in the middle of the Ankara's busy street. In it is in the middle of it, and it uh, remained there for two years. And, uh, you know, making a press release is free by law, within the scope of freedom freedom, freedom, <laughs> freedom, of expression normally, as in elsewhere. But anyone who made a press release on the street was detained by torture, torture uh, for two years. And, uh, you know, the uh, militarism is uh, has become uh, part of our daily lives after the coup d'état. Before that, it, there was also a militarism. But uh, after the coup d'état, it's, the, uh, it's, it's, the, it's normalized, let's say. Uh, the Kurdish question is another part of the issue, the biggest uh, part of the issue. Uh, and it was uh, more de- domestic quote-unquote, until the Syrian war, and it became the, the determinant of the foreign policy along with the Syrian war. Uh, just before the election in January 2018, Turkey launched a military offensive on the northwest Syrian-Kurdish populated district of Afrin to control the territory. At this point, I would say the main opposition party, which called itself a social democrat, a, a CHP, voted yes to the bill on the sending troops to Syria. And after the Sochi consensus with Russia and others, Turkey has managed to stay in Idlib as the patron of the Islamist and jihadist groups. In this case, Turkey is closely associated with two different interests. First, Turkey, uh, it is... uh, it, it is like, you know, it's like, it's like uh, life, uh, live or die problem for uh, Turkey. Uh, the autonomous Kurdish state in Syria. And uh, it did its best to prevent the establishment establishment of the autonomous Kurdish state in Syria. And secondly, a era of Ottoman, Ottoman tradition the government continues to pursue regional imperialist interests. And AKP, uh, the uh, governing uh, party, is very brave in uh, foreign policy, and its imperialist ambitions have not been so clear since the invasion of Cyprus. And the Kurdish freedom movement and the socialist movement that takes position within it started a very serious rebellion in 2004 during the Rojava revolution. And at the end of those two days in, the, uh, in September, 45 people died in two days. And Selahattin Demirtas, the leader of the party which the cadres coming from the Kurdish movement are concentrated, received 10% of the votes, of, uh, votes in the 2014 presidential elections and 13% in uh, 2018 elections while he was in prison despite the constitutional court ruling this is one of the biggest and chronic opposition to authoritarian turkish state all over the history of modern turkey the kurdish movement and gezi rebellion was also the biggest strongest strongest answer to authoritarianism in the history of modern turkey even according to police records it was there were 2 million people went out on the street. The vast majority of these were young people and women, by the way. And uh, unfortunately, the rebellion was suppressed after a month. And since that day, the war uh, between, let's say, civil society and the state still continues because the government, government is more afraid of socialists and masses. And the women's movement is one of the mass movements that give the clearest and most crowded response to the AKP's authoritarian authoritarian power. Since the beginning of 1990s, the feminist movement is very strong in Turkey. We have many organized structures. However, our biggest, biggest shortcoming is that we cannot cooperate under one large roof uh you use the uh, uh picture from um, taksim uh, demonstrations of the last years and it was uh in the uh, announcement of the this event and it was written together we are stronger be kadınlar birlikte güçlü in turkish but we tried this so for several times, but we couldn't do this, uh, we couldn't reach that ideal situation until now. But still, we come together through demands uh, on different platforms. On the 8th of March, we walked in the streets of Istanbul with tens of thousands of women, and we managed to withdraw the abortion bill several times. And however, we have not been able to make this effort continuous and stubborn so far. Uh, we generally react to an attack. If the attack is big, the reaction is also big. But if there are hidden agendas and there are small if there are small steps, some things have changed without our, without our awareness. An uh, ecology movement, especially one of the strongest movements in Turkey. Local peasant and urban movements have been going on uh, for a wide range of subjects throughout the country for uh, 30 years. However, the dictatorship is very successful in keeping these movements local and fragmented. Gezi was a breaking point, but its suppression style and violence. And after that in 2015, uh, the uh, massacre of 103 people at the peace rally in ankara has weakened those movements and made it almost impossible to come together for another period of, period of time and as you may recognize i did not talk about workers movement this does not this this does not mean that there is no workers movement in turkey but for 30 years again There has been small and local ones. The trade union membership rate is 7%. And we can say that this is the reason uh, the workers' movement is not organized enough. Uh, To conclude, I can say that as a result of 19 years rule of uh, AKP, Turkey is more conservative, more authoritarian, more aggressive, more intolerant country and it should be said immediately that uh, if there was another government, not the AKP but the JHP, let's say, this, too, this still could be the case. This still could be the case.
2: This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the Nurses' Dispute in 1986... And the waterfront dispute in nineteen ninety-eight. 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle.
0: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the bay to chicken strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity.
2: 3CR, radio for the workers by the workers since
0: 1976.
2: It is 27 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You are listening to Ecehan Bolta give us an update on the situation in Turkey. Uh, it is bringing us to the closing minutes of the show and, of course, uh, we... Ourselves won't be back until after the 18th of April, the first Saturday after that, depending on how things um, it's, roll it's out. A, it's
0: a bit of a moving feast, this uh, COVID 19, and I'm sure all our listeners, wherever you are in the world, uh, are on top of how much of a moving feast and uh, how difficult it is to know even from day to day what the restrictions are or how things will uh, will pan out. But yes, so 3CR will continue uh, we'll keep broadcasting just not normal programs um we will continue after this break but um really we usually um bring out current affairs uh, issues so it's not really um worth while to um uh, be able to bring you the, the show as uh, within this space but we'll be back so don't um don't panic that's the most important thing isn't it giselle
2: uh, well, yes. Well, I, I don't know that that is the most important thing, but uh, panicking panicking doesn't help. Actually, that is what I wanted to say um, just finally. Uh, it, it While these states of emergency are in place and while they may very well be necessary measures to get COVID-19 under control, so in a normal situation, whatever normal is, um, It is an appropriate global health policy that would work to slow the spread of COVID. It's important to remember that we do still live under capitalism and states of emergency serve a very, very different purpose, which is to repress the masses. It is necessary to continue to organise in this space, however... Your various organisations have figured out how to do that. Continue to meet online, continue to develop ways to fight back. Once COVID is under control, if those states of emergency haven't been lifted, there will certainly, certainly, certainly be a need to take to the streets.
0: That's right. And of course, let's make sure that uh, we are not the ones that pay for this crisis, but it's actually the ones that have got money, the capitalists. So that's all that we've got time for. My name is um, Pierre Morrow.
2: I'm Giselle Hannah,
0: And we'll be back in a few weeks. Um, Stay strong, stay healthy and keep organising.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.